Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you again for today. I want to thank you for this Psalm 78 uh, that you have written it for us to, you know, remember what you have done for your people. And Lord, I just pray that your your words will be spoken today. You know, and it's not, not just my words, but it's your words through me. And... <clears throat> And your message is reached to the the people here that need to hear it. In your name I pray, amen. So again, we're going to be in uh, Psalm 78. We're in this series during the summer of Psalms. And I have chosen uh, 78. Uh, It starts out with um, mentioning that it's a mascal of as at now i can't say it asap that's his name <laughs> um a mascal is hebrew word for music or you know just in a musical term you know that they, that this psalm should be kind of read in a musical way um and it's written by asap and At the end of the psalm, it talks about David. So, you know, some of the psalms were written by David, but this one happens to be by Asap because it mentions David at the end, you know, and it just, the wording of it would have been really weird the way uh, if David was referring to himself in that. Uh, This this, uh, psalm is also very rich in history. It it talks about how God has done a whole lot of things for his people, and it gives you those examples, you know, several of them over and over again, so it has a lot of history in it. Um, It also is showing how God's people, as I call it, flip-flopping with how they were following God. Sometimes they were following God, sincerely with God, and then there's other times that they were against God and, you know, going the opposite direction, you know, uh, and then they would return back and forth, you know, it was just a flip-flopping back and forth um, through that. So a couple questions I am going to start out with is, how are we like these people here in uh, Psalms? 78, um, and how can we live differently? So we'll look at those, uh, you know, as we're reading through, kind of be thinking of that, you know. Uh, so we'll get started uh, re- reading verse 1. Um, this is a very long psalm. <laughs> so what I've done is I'm not going to speak say much about every single verse. I'm, we're going to read chunks, talk, a, say a little bit, and then read another chunk and, and everything like that, you know, because otherwise I will be here a long time. If I <laughs> okay, so verse 1, Give ear, O, pe- o my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings 
from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Um, back in verse 2, it uses, uh, I will utter dark sayings from of old. Dark, uh, another way to say that is hidden. And then in uh, verse 4, it says, we will not hide them from our children. So, so the teachings of God, there we are wanting to uh, bring them forth and telling them to the uh, future generations. Verse 5, he had established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So verses 1 through 7, it's trying to remind us of what God has done to let us know that we should tell future generations to set our hope in God. And then we go to verse 8. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So in the verses 1 through 7, they're, they're trying to remind people to tell to the future generations uh, everything about God and what God has done for us, you know, so they don't be like the few, these uh, uh, generations of fathers that were stubborn and rebellious. We're going to go into verses 9 through 11. The Ephraimites, armed with the bow, turned back on the day of battle. In that verse there, the people didn't trust God that he was going to be with them in battle. Verse 10. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. <clears throat> this is when they uh, created idols instead of following the Ten Commandments that God provided for them. Verse 11, they forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. They forgot what, how God has provided for them. Verses uh, 12 through 16, in this section here, we're going to see how God's work and provision for his people came about. Verse 12, In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders in the land of Egypt, 
in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and let them pass through it and made the waters stand like a heap. In the day, he led them with a cloud and all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Verses 17 through 30 is when the people requested God to provide for them. And so then we'll go through these verses and it will kind of show us how God provided for them and what is all happening. Verse 17. Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so the water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat for this people? So by the people, God has already shown how he can provide for them. Yet they sinned still again and again. And then they question, it's like, well, he brought us out into the wilderness. Can he really provide food for us? This questioning of God is a slander against God. And so it kind of angered God a little bit, and he wanted to prove his power. So in verses 21 through 29, he will show how he's going to prove his power to provide for them. Therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath, A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. Yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. And he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Man ate of the bread of angels. He he sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by the, his power he led them out, let out the south wind. He, he rained meat on them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas. <coughs> he let them fall in the midst of their camp, all around their dwellings, and they ate and were filled for he gave them what they craved. So that was how God provided the water, bread, and meat. Going into verses 30 through 37, we're going to see some anger of God and 
punishment for for the people for lusting for more, you know, because even all this food that they were provided for, they still were wanting more for some reason. Verse 30. But before they had satisfied their craving, while the food was still in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them, and he killed the strongest of them and laid low the young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they still sinned. Despite his wonders, they did not believe. So he made their days vanish like a bread or breath, and their years in terror. When he killed them, they sought him. They repented and sought God earnestly. They remember that God was their rock, the most high God, their redeemer. So yes, there were some times that they repented and then they turned back to God. But during this time, verse 36, but they flattered him with their mouths. They lied to him with their tongues. Their heart was not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his covenant. So there the people, yes, they were, they were re- returning to God, but the flattery of their mouths, you know, they were just doing it for show. Uh, they weren't doing it earnestly. <clears throat> Verses 38 and 39, we're going to see the compassion of God. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. So even in his anger, God was holding back. And he knew and understand that he couldn't give his full wrath because we were, we're just created people. And we're, we're going to be here on the earth just for <clears throat> a f- passing of the wind, as it mentions here in verse 39. Um, so... <clears throat> In verses 40 through 58, we're going to see how the people rebelled, tested, and forgot God again. Verse 40, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and and provoked the, the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from, from the foe, when he performed his signs in Egypt and his mar- marvels in the fields of Zone. So they had forgotten how God provided a way out of Egypt by the ten plagues. So the next several verses are going to explain the ten, ten plagues. So 
as soon as they wanted out of Egypt, and they, they grumbled and complained to get out of Egypt, and then God got them out of Egypt, and then they were complaining out in the wilderness, and they seemed to have already forgotten what, what God had done for them in Egypt uh, to, get, to release them from Egypt. So verses 44 through 51 describe the ten plagues. He turned their rivers to blood so that they could not drink of their streams. He sent among them swarms of flies which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them. He gave their crops to the, to the destroying locusts and the fruits of their labor to the locusts. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamores with frost. He gave over their, their cattle to the hail and their flocks to thunderbolts. He let loose on them his burning anger, wrath, indignation, and distress, a company of destroying angels. He made a path for his anger, and he did not spare them from death, but gave their lives over to the plague. He struck down every firstborn in Egypt, the first fruits of their strength in the tents of Ham. So those are the listing of the uh, ten plagues that he, you know, issued onto the Egyptian people to allow Pharaoh to finally decide to release Moses with the people. So 52. Then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them in safety so that they were not afraid, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies, and he brought them to his holy land, to the mountain which his right hand had won. He drove out nations before them. He apportioned them for a possession and settled the tribes of Israel in their tents. Yet they tested, the, tested and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers, they twisted like a deceitful bow. <clears throat> they were provoked, or, for they provoked him to anger with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their idols. So as they were brought out of what they were asking to be brought out of, they were brought into the wilderness, and then they again, tested and rebelled against God. They, they, they forgot what God had done for them. Verses 59 through 64. There was times that God let his people have what they wanted, 
a rejection of God. When God heard, he was full of wrath, and he utterly rejected Israel. He forsook his dwelling in Shiloh, the tent where he dwelled among mankind, and delivered his power to, to captivity, his glory to the hand of the foe. He gave his people over to the sword and, and vented his wrath on his heritage. Fire devoured their young men and their young women had no marriage song. Their priests fell by the sword and their widows made no lamentation. In verses 65 through 72, in this section, the Lord woke up from his sleep and then provided for them. The Lord awoke from his sleep like a strong man shouting because of wine. And he put his adversaries to rout. He put them to everlasting shame. He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. He built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like the earth, which he has founded forever. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the, the nursing ewes, he, he, brought, he brought him to shepherd Jacob's pe his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. So eventually, the God, God's people, they said they needed a king. And one of the kings that he provided for them was David. David was one of the godly men that led uh, God's people. <clears throat> And, you know, because of this is what they wanted, he, God was the one that provided that for them. So even though they had King David, <clears throat> David was the chosen one for the people of God. And God was the one that uh, provided David for them. So David uh, gave them the leadership they needed. In years to come, from the line of David, uh, Jesus is born. So today, Jesus is a better David. For us as a Savior and Lord. Jesus is the fulfillment 
that the empty hearts of God's people were looking to fill. Because of their empty hearts, they flip-flopped in their following with God. So during the Old Testament, it's very different from today. They had to uh, go to the priests with a sacrifice, which was some kind of animal that they had to bring in to, to have the priest sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sins. Today, we have Jesus Christ who has provided that for us. Eventually, King David was brought into leadership. As a king, he didn't have the authority to provide the forgiveness of sin either. That was still under the priests that had to do that. So as they were living in that time, their hearts were still kind of empty because there wasn't this true hope like we have with Jesus. We know the story of Jesus dying on the cross and providing forgiveness for our sins. And then we can have the Holy Spirit dwell within our lives. And we know that because of what God has done on the cross through Jesus Christ, we can have a hope that we, and we know that because of what uh, God has uh, told us. Uh, we have John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In, in, verse, in John 3.16, we are given that hope. We know that we're going to have this eternal life. And this is something that the people wandering around in the wilderness, that was the emptiness in their heart that they didn't have. <clears throat> it is Jesus Christ who is the fulfillment of what has been projected in the Old Testament through, you know, even this psalm, to, you know, letting us know how God provides for his people. God is the one that provided Jesus to come here on earth, to live as a person, and to, you know, go to the cross, to die there on the cross for our sins, to, so we can have forgiveness of our sins. And then that wasn't just the end of it. Three days later, he's risen again, and he's given new life we can also believe, if we believe in this, what, you know, as it says, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If we believe in this, we can have that new life as well. And that is then also given to us, you know, just as 
Christ was raised from the dead. He's given new life. He's li- going to live for eternally. According to John 3.16, we are going to have that same life if we, if we believe in Christ, living forever with Christ in heaven. So, as we started out, we had the two questions. Are we like these people? Are we like flip-flopping back and forth? You know, we're following God and then we're not following God. I, I know in my life I fall into that. Is, you know, there's been times that I, I just feel like I'm not in the right place with God, and then I remember what God has done for me specifically. I read the Bible, and I see what he's done for other people, and then I get my life to follow him again. And then eventually again, I tend to forget again, and then I fall into, you know, I'm doing the flip-flopping. How can we live differently we can live differently if we just remember John 3:16 God is the one that loves us in the world so much he provided his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross be risen again to give us new life and if we believe this we won't have we won't perish and we'll have eternal life. We will have this hope that we now know that this is not just the end. This is not all that we have to live for is right here on the earth. So we hopefully then won't do a whole lot of flip-flopping. I'm not going to say that it's not going to happen. It's going to continue to happen. So in Psalm 78, the people flip-flopped in following God. And it describes how God was always the one to reach out to them and love them. Even when they seemed to want to reject him, he still was compassionate to his people and love them. We have done the same flip-flopping as well. But God's love is always there. <clears throat> if you remember the story, or, or actually, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not forgetting the word, the, the parable of the prodigal son This is explaining how God really loves his people. The the one son left the father, and then eventually he decided to return back. The father was the one that ran to him and opened his arms in love. This is an example of how God accepts us back when we do our flip-flopping 
if we decide to not follow God as what we should and we decide to come back, come back knowing that God has been, he's always there to accept you in love. And there's no reason to stay away from him. You haven't done anything that you could keep God from loving you and not wanting you to return. So we are to remember what God has done for us in Jesus. Live accordingly and then tell others about this. That's what Psalm 78 started out with. Remember what God has done for his people and tell it to generation, to generation, to generation. And that's what we're to be doing. Let's pray, close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that you have done so many things for your people how you provided for them, how, for you know the, the people out in the wilderness. You provided the water, the, the bread, and the meat. You prov- provide for us in Jesus Christ forgiveness of sin and a new life in you that we can live w- with you eternally. In your name I pray, amen.